you would, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to be in this place. Lord, we're thankful for your promises. Lord, as uh, the choir just sang about, Lord, we have the promise that one day all things will be made new. Lord, we will spend eternity with you, but until then, you've given us the privilege to gather and worship, knowing that you're with us, and Lord, to carry out the Great Commission and know that you are with us to the very end of the age. So God, help us to honor you even as we gather in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's my honor to welcome you here to East Taylorsville Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for joining us, especially on this lovely day outside. You could have been a lot of different places, but we're thankful that you chose to be with us today, and we don't believe you're here by accident. And as a guest, we encourage you before you leave to do a, a couple things. Number one, we'd love to meet you before you rush out. As a staff, we'd love to, to find out who you are. We also encourage you to fill out a care card that's in your bulletin, or you can scan the QR code that's on your center column, and we'd love to have a record of your visit. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand, and as you stand, take just a minute to welcome your neighbor to the service, and let's prepare our hearts for worship.
thank you. As we come to this time of prayer, I have several people that we need to pray for this morning. Jatana Elder is in the hospital, and she has pneumonia and a few other things. So remember Jatana and, um, and her family in prayer, if you would. Uh, Jeff Chapman's daughter, Emma Kate, some of you know her situation. I'm not going to go into it, but if you will, pray for her. And also pray for Jeff. Uh, Jeff's been... Um, had some issues with his uh, with his help with his help now, and he's in rehab. And I hadn't asked you if I can mention all those things, so I'm not going to mention them. Also, Donna Little, Donna Little's uh, been a member of this church longer than I have, and you can go online and kind of look at her story. Uh, Donna has some severe health issues, and she needs your prayers. Also, Zach and India Pearson, and over here's India. She's pregnant with twins, and I just want to read a little bit about her situation. We're requesting prayer for Zach and India. And the twin boys, we need God to step in and correct blood flow issues for baby B so that both twins will have a chance to survive. This is incredibly serious. I just want to mention that to you. And they go for another ultrasound on Tuesday, so we're praying for a miracle. That's how serious it is. So as the praise team leads us in prayer, meet me here at the altar, and let's pray for these people, and let's especially pray for Zach and India this morning, okay? You meet me here at the altar as they lead us in this time of worship. Holy Spirit. Fill us with your fire, give us your desires, hold us close to you. Holy Spirit, give us revelation, a healing visitation, nothing else will do. me fathers we come to you in prayer lord we know that you are the great physician father so many members of this church need your touch physically lord i want to lift up jatana emma kate lord jeff chapman father donna little lord you know her needs both uh, physically and financially and lord we'll talk about that more in the future but lord i pray lord we want to thank you for donna's faith and her faithfulness through all that she's going through and then, Lord, I want to lift up Zach and India and their, their twin, twin babies. Lord, as, as was mentioned, Lord, this is a very serious health issue. And, Father, we pray for healing. Father, use whatever means necessary, divine intervention. Lord, the wisdom of doctors and, Lord, the, the beauty of technology and medicine. Father, we pray that you'd use all that and, Lord, bring healing to those babies. Lord, we pray for India as she goes through this, Lord, that you would encourage her. And Lord, put your arms around Zach and India, Lord, and love on them. Lord, I'm so thankful for them. Lord, I'm honored to be their pastor. Love their families. Lord, I was honored to officiate their wedding. And Lord, I pray that you would just meet the needs that they have. Father, I'm so thankful that we can pray for each other. Lord, what a service that is. Father, I know that there's others here today that, Lord, need your touch. And, Lord, I pray that you'd touch them emotionally, spiritually, physically. Lord, all those things that you alone can do. Lord, we're calling on, Lord, we're petitioning the throne of heaven to do, to do a great work here. And, Father, we know you can do it. We pray in faith. And, Lord, we want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do, Father. And we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. Holy Spirit, fill us with your
again. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Two weeks ago, we looked at um, the passage where Simeon met Jesus, and we looked at the fact that he was an older man, and today we're going to look at a woman who is older. And the thought is, we're going to talk about Anna, and we're thinking about this thought, aging well. And Michael, if you'll go ahead, or Corey, if you'll go ahead and put this verse up on the screen. Never mind, it's not up there. Go back, I'm sorry. But think about this. Think about this verse. I thought I had it on the screen, but I don't. In 2 Corinthians 4, we looked at this uh, two weeks ago. Paul says this about aging. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And what Paul is saying is this. On the outside, because of just life in general, we're dying on the outside but we're living and growing on the inside, which means this, my best spiritual days can be now and ahead of me. My most eternal, life-changing decisions can be now. And the question is, is how are you aging? I don't mean physically, even though that is important, but I mean spiritually. And in our text today, we see a lady, the Bible makes no bones about it, she was aging. I think the King James Version said she was stricken in years. Okay, our version says it a little bit different, I believe. But think about this. How are you aging? So if you'll stand with me, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. The Bible says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. That means she was older. Okay, And Luke wants to emphasize her age here who had lived without a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years, so she was either 84 years old or probably 105 years old. So she was older, okay, who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. What a great lady. The characteristics of Anna should be something that male and female should strive for. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, uh, this message should apply to all of us. Lord, we're all aging, and I pray that we would age well. Lord, even though our outward person is decaying, Lord, our inner person can be growing and becoming more like Jesus. Father, Paul tells us not to lose heart because of our lives or the things that happen but help us to be renewed day by day as we grow in your sight. Lord, I want to thank you for Anna, for inspiring Luke to write about her. Lord, what a blessing she is to read about, to study about, and Lord, to preach about today. And Father, I pray that you'd encourage us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In Luke's culture, for him to take notice and exalt the life, especially the personal life, of a female says a lot about him and says a lot about his faith. Look at this picture of the temple. I'll show you, and I've showed the temple here a lot. Uh, basically, this was Herod's temple. And if you'll notice here, if I can pull this up, this area, you can barely see it right here. This is called the court of women. This is the area of the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, even if you profess faith in Jesus, or not Jesus, but back then in, in Yahweh, you could go no further than this. This was the holy of holy. This, this was the holiest place in all the world at that time. Only the high priest once a year could go behind this veil. When Jesus died on the cross, this veil was torn from top to bottom, and God offered access to everybody. 
Only women could go this far. This is where this woman was. This is where Jesus did most of his teaching. Men and women were here when Jesus has clears the temple area because of the money changers. It was in this area. When the widow gave her two mites, it was in this area. And this is where Anna stayed the majority of her life. Every day, the Bible says night and day, she was here praying and fasting and looking for the Messiah to come. This was her. The whole majority of her life, for the most part, revolved around this area, probably several hundred or several thousand square feet. Now think about that. The Bible says that she never left the temple. Now think about this. The Lord is pleased to include the testimony of Anna concerning Jesus, because God is no respecter of persons. Male and female are one in Christ, even though we have different roles. But women, I would say this, ladies... The Bible consistently everywhere affirms the full dignity of women and honors their service to God. Women are the bedrock of the culture. I read this quote this week. More women in America today will be in church today than men. Wives are twice as likely to go to church as their husbands. More women typically serve and volunteer than men. Now listen to this. In families and communities everywhere, women are the bedrock. And when they shake, everything comes down. So Luke wants to mention a godly woman that should be an example for all of us. But when Luke talks about her, it's amazing that he talks about her character because character to God is more important than anything. Your character is the most important asset you have. It takes a lifetime to build and can be lost in an instant. And Anna had a godly character. Her name in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word for grace. The first thing we see about Anna is that she was older. And I'm saying that in a nice way. Anna was older or she was advancing in years. Notice what verse 36 says. The Bible says this. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. Luke was a Gentile from Antioch. And there was a tradition among the Hebrews that the women of Asher were the most beautiful women in the world. They were sought after. Because of their beauty, they usually married. To, they were usually married to priests and kings. But notice the description that Luke gives for Anna. He says that she was of great age. The King James Version says she was stricken in years. That word great age, that word great, or the word stricken, basically means this. It gives a word, a sense of something attacking or striking suddenly. The Bible says she was stricken in years. This means this for all of us, male and female. That your beauty, your physical appearance that you once had will not always stay with you. It doesn't mean that you aren't beautiful at an older age. It just means that the beauty that you once had will not stay with you. It's part of the curse of this earth. That's why in heaven there's going to be no more aging. The physical problems of life happen because our bodies wear down. In the Bible, it never says to hide from aging but the glory in it. Bob Hope one time said this, You know you're old when the candles cost more than a cake. Amen? You're getting older. Her outer body is decaying, but the Bible says this about her. Listen, ladies, she's beautiful. Her outer body is decaying, but what God notices is her character. She's beautiful. She's one of the most beautiful women in the Bible. The writer of Proverbs says this, when Solomon, and this is my opinion on Proverbs 31, when you get to Proverbs 31 and God gives us this great illustration or example of what a godly woman should be like and a godly wife, it's almost as if Solomon's mother is saying, this is who you should look for. 
And she gives him all these characteristics of this lady. And I preach those verses on Mother's Day. I don't know how many times. Share those verses whenever I officiate a wedding. But notice what the, what, what the Bible says about the Proverbs 31 woman. Charm is deceptive, okay? You can speak your way into a marriage, but you can't speak your way through a marriage, right? Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last. Now, beauty is an eye of the beholder, okay? What, what Solomon's mom is trying to tell Solomon is this. You better find a lady that has a good godly character. That lasts for eternity. Don't be enraptured just by looks, okay? Don't be enraptured, because she says this, but a woman who fears the Lord, she will be greatly praised. A major lesson from Anna's life is, is to not let age or any other barrier prevent you from making a significant contribution to the kingdom, okay? She was older, she was advancing in years, but notice this also, she was also a widow, which is two strikes against Anna for that, in that day, said, who had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So she was either 84, scholars are split on this, or she was probably 104 or 105 years old. Okay? We just know that from the time she was a virgin when she got married, after her husband died, after seven years, all right, she remained pure until the end. And she did not seek a man... Now think about this, ladies. The most recent U.S. census paints a very bleak picture facing women in America. Now listen. You could summarize the numbers by saying just under half of women 65 years old and over are widows. Think about that for a moment. And of those widowed women, the vast majority live alone. Anna was alone. Okay? That does not mean she was lonely. Two different things here. Anna was alone her whole life, at least probably 80 years, okay? That does not mean she was lonely. If you see someone that's alone, that does not mean they're lonely. If you see me out, because I have to travel a lot with what I do, in a restaurant and I'm alone, that don't mean I'm lonely. Leave me alone, amen? Leave me alone, okay? I don't need companionship right there. Listen, ladies. If you're a widow, that does not mean you need a man. I'm not saying don't get one. I'm saying it does not mean you need a man. She did not need a man after her husband died. Maybe they just loved each other so much. I've been married once, and I'm only going to be married once until I die. I pastor one church, and I'm going to pastor this church until I retire or die. Okay? Listen, just because you're a widow does not mean you need a man. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. See, she was alone. It does not mean she was lonely, okay? But what comes with being alone? One of the greatest heartbreaks in life is being lonely. She wasn't lonely, maybe you are, okay? One of the hardest things sometimes is to be lonely. To be lonely, think about that. It's, it's, a, real, it's a real fact of life. Loneliness can be described as one of the most desolate words in the human language, capable of hurling the heaviest weights the heart can endure, Chuck Swindoll says. He says it plays no favorites, ignores all rules of courtesy, knows neither border nor barrier, it will not be left behind, crowds only make it worse, and activity sometimes drives it deeper. 
Silent and destructive as a flooding river in the night, it leaves its slimy banks, seeps into our dwelling, and rises to the crest of despair. Now listen, there is simply no other anguish like the consuming anguish of loneliness. Think about Paul when he was in prison. If you read 2 Timothy 4, you know what I hear? I hear one of God's greatest servants, my favorite New Testament character, him and Peter. And guess what? He's lonely. He, said, he, he writes to Timothy, who's a young preacher. You, you know you're desperate when you write to the young preacher. And he says, everybody's forsook me. Everybody. He says, only Luke is with me. Thank God for Luke. Amen. He says, can you bring me some books? Can you bring me a coat? That's the cry of a lonely man. John the Baptist. And I showed you a, preaching, a picture one time of his prison Desolate in the desert, he was lonely. David was in a cave one time and he wrote this psalm. He says this, I look to my right, no one is there, because that's where your best man was if you were the king. That's where your guy was, your wingman. That was where your bodyguard was. He says, nobody was there. And then he said this, no one cares for my soul. Lonely. It's real. Now when you get to Anna, she was alone. We don't know, she might have been lonely. I say that because you may be, you may be lonely, all right? Loneliness has many forms, but it has one purpose. Now listen to this. Loneliness is when God takes something treasured out of my life so he can be closest to me. This means that loneliness is a tool in God's hand, an opportunity for a right response by us, his children. I would say this, if you're here today and you're in this situation, Okay, two things. Number one, be involved in a church. Sunday school is such an important part of helping with this. If you go, if you're lonely, think about our senior adult ministry here. Kevin and Lisa Powell do wonderful. It's the strongest it's ever been since I've been here. Meet once a month to eat. You go on trips and do things together, especially before COVID hit, and now they're doing more things. If you're lonely, what a tremendous opportunity to meet people, okay? What a tremendous opportunity. But think about this also. In her loneliness, in her alone time, she took this as an opportunity to devote the rest of her life to the service of God. She's a remarkable example of devotion to the Lord. Listen, providence changed her circumstances. God had broken in upon her life, and God took her husband and her youth and what will she do? She says, now, God, I'm going to give all my life, all my energy, all my resources to you. What circumstances has brought providence brought into your life? Nothing happens by accident. The Bible says this, all things work together for good, don't they? Doesn't mean all things are good. A lot of things in this life are bad. A lot of things I don't understand. I've left gravesides and in my mind, not out loud, said, why in the world did this happen to this person? Why did this happen to this person? But somehow, some way, God can weave that through somebody's life for their good and His glory. Isn't that amazing? Now, what circumstances are going on in your life right now, and how are you going to use those for God's glory? Anna did not get bitter. She got better. Not only that, but she was pure. This gives the idea that she did not uh, compromise her convictions in her loneliness. You hear me? She did not compromise her convictions of purity 
inner loneliness. Wouldn't it be great if more men and women would do that today? Wouldn't it be great if more and women today would do like Paul told Timothy? This is what Paul told Timothy. He said this, if a man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel of honor, made holy, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And what he's saying is be sexually pure, Timothy. Be a man that I can use. Be a woman that I can use. Anna was not giving herself away. And what God is saying is this, I can use this person. Not that she didn't mess up. We all mess up in certain areas of our life, right? But there's grace for that. Now think about this, ladies. Women in the United States currently have a life expectancy approaching 80 years. Men, about 73 years. Okay? When you take all things in consider. But this gift of longevity is frequently accompanied by a number of challenges. Older women typically spend more years and longer percentage of their lifetimes disabled. They're nearly twice as likely to reside in a nursing home. Nearly 80% of all older persons living alone are women. Widowhood and the geographic mobility of their children both contribute to the growing phenomenon of older women living alone. Think about economic security. More than 70% of all elderly persons with incomes below the poverty level are women. Yet in that, she stayed single and pure. But notice what else she did. Notice this next one. She was a servant. Go to the next one. I'm sorry, Corey. We'll go back. She was thankful. The Bible says in coming in, in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord. Now think about this. Anna was, her husband died. We don't know how. I'm sure she loved him because she didn't remarry. She was alone. We don't know that she was lonely. She did not leave the temple because she probably didn't have land, didn't have a place to stay. Okay? But in all that, she was thankful. She was a grateful person. She probably praised and worshiped the Lord. I heard one uh, scholar mention how that every church service they had back then, one of the Psalms, I think it was Psalm 92, was read and sung. Okay? And they, they calculated the number of times. They did that every week. She heard the same psalm. Once a week for 52 weeks, for 80-some years. And he said she probably sang it, and every time it was as new and as fresh as she had heard it the first time. Isn't that amazing? Perspective that we have. How many times have we sung Amazing Grace? We sung it this morning. That either means something to you or it don't. It means something to me every time I sing it. Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Isn't that amazing? To sing about the amazing grace of God and how good he is. That was Anna. She was thankful. Now go, to, go back to that last one. Corey, the, number three, Anna served the Lord. Anna makes her greatest contribution at her weakest condition. She was a prophetess. That means she spoke for God. This is a rare word in Scripture. Men in the Old Testament served as prophets. In Israel's history, only seven women served as a prophetess. Anna's rare calling and privilege, she had the rare calling and privilege of proclaiming and knowing God's will for his people. Not only that, but notice this, she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers. Notice, she served God by praying. She served God by praying. When God chose a handful of believers who testified at his son's birth, God chose people who prayed. She probably understood this prophecy in Jeremiah 3, where Jer God speaks through Jeremiah and he says, Call on me, that's an invitation, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The Bible says this, that through prayer, 
The Bible says we gain wisdom in James 1, 5. The Lord's brother said, if you, if you need wisdom, just ask. God gives it liberally. It's the only time in your life you can be a liberal, right? God gives it liberally. He just throws it out if you ask for it, okay? Not only that, but the disciples received the Holy Spirit and power to witness while they were praying in the upper room in Acts 2. The Bible says that strongholds, you have strongholds in your life? You have sin issues in your life that every, now listen, you, the Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My temptations are not yours. My convictions are not yours. Okay? That's why you have no right to judge another person that sins differently than you do, because you just sin in a different way. Now listen, we all got things that we struggle with. Sometimes they come into our life and they become a stronghold, which means you try and you try and you try and you keep doing that thing over and over. Paul said, Paul said, the very things I don't want to do, sometimes I do them. You ever done that? The very things I know, what he means is it's a sin to do it, and sometimes I do it. That can become a stronghold. The Bible says the way you get rid of that, and you can go to counseling all you want to, is to pray about it. That praying, asking God, God, begging God to remove it, and you doing what you're supposed to. The Bible says that doors for a lamp evangelism are open through prayer. Boldness to advance wearing spiritual armor is gained through prayer, the Bible says. Worship happens through prayer. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. When Paul and Silas were put in jail, the Bible says this, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Prayer is a service to God. Prayer is an important service to God. And Anna understood that prayer is one way to serve God. She not only prayed, but she fasted. Fasting was an important part of Anna's life, which meant she did without food for a time period to be closer to the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus fasted when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says afterward he was hungry. Paul and Barnabas fasted in Acts 14. The Bible says when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fastings, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And one, one scholar says, why don't we make fasting a normal part of worship? Jesus, talking about the hypocrites, said, he said this, Moreover, when you fast, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. He didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. Will we fast? Will we see that we set apart time for God and set apart food just to be closer to the Lord? That's fasting. Fasting means I do without food for a time period to be closer to the Lord, and I, and I add into that prayer, and let's just see what God does. Anna, Anna saw prayer and fasting as a service to the Lord, and God saw that as well. And then the final thing about this is Anna was mission-minded. Isn't it amazing how we talk about the things that we love? It's football season and it's the playoffs, right? If you get on social media, people are going to talk about the team they love. Now, I don't do that. I'm very humble, okay? If Dallas wins or not, you won't hear a word out of me, all right? Isn't it amazing how we talk about the things we love? Before uh, my grandchildren were born, I had like 20 pictures on my phone. Now I've got about 10,000. Okay, I'll show you a picture of my grandkids if you haven't already seen them. Okay, I love them. 
Listen, the Bible says that Anna spoke to him, to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. She was an older woman. She was very mission-minded, telling everybody she can meet about Jesus. Look, yep, about every coat pocket I have, I have a one card. A one card. And I challenged you several years ago to say, hey, think about one person, not 20, one person. One person that you love that's lost, that you want to get saved this year, just one. And do whatever you can in your power to reach that person. I don't mean that you have to be the person. You pray for them. You serve that person. You love that person. You share the gospel if you have an opportunity. It's amazing what God will do. I remember, like I graduated in 1988, right? Class 88. When God saved me, he put a desire in my heart to see classmates get saved. And I was just young and dumb. Probably the worst witness you could ever have. But God worked through that, and I saw a lot of people that I graduated with come to know Jesus. And I still pray for people that I graduated with, okay? I remember a buddy of mine talking about one of my classmates, and we heard that he had been in trouble because he was in the paper, okay? And I said, man, wouldn't it be great to be able to witness to this guy? And they said, we don't know where he's at. We have no idea where he's at. And I remember that week or the week before, Scotty Barnes had come and said, Jamie, we're going to have a camp at this prison where you go speak. And I said, I'd love to go speak. It was on like a Tuesday night. Dark. We had lights set up. I got up there, and I was preaching to about 200 inmates, right? Never met them before in my life. Preaching to them, preaching hard. Preaching about my dad being in prison, dying in prison, how God saved me at the age of 20, right? And all that he did for me. And I said, man, I don't care what you've done. God knows all about you. He loves you, and he can save you and change your life. That's what I said. Gave invitation. I don't know. A bunch of men stood up to receive Christ. I couldn't see them. I don't know. At the end, these, these guys come around. They just shook my hand, a bunch of them, right? And they were talking to me about, hey, we have a kindred spirit because this, that, and the other. Guess who one of the last people to come up was? The old boy I prayed for. The, listen, we had prayed for this guy. I didn't know where he was at. God knew he was in prison, and God sent me to the prison to preach to him. Now listen, do, do you believe God can do anything? I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy, all right? But how much interest do you put in people? Anna was telling people at her age, everyone spoke to all those, everybody, about reaching Jesus and knowing Jesus. Think about this, and this is very practical. What, who is the one person, teenagers, at your school, in your family, that you want to see come to know Jesus? Life-changing. I'm saved today because people prayed for me. Got saved when I was 20. If you're in your 50s, who's the one person? If you're a senior adult, who's the one person? Do you love them enough to pray for them? Do you love them enough to share the gospel with them? I want to tell you the opportunities we have here. Marianne Winchell gave me this article um, probably about two months ago about Lottie Moon, okay? And what Lottie Moon is, it's the mission offering that we give here. And I, I'm going to try to give every week for the rest of my life to Lottie Moon if I can. You're supporting 3,000-plus missionaries all across the world. And you support them to the point that they can be full-time just like I'm full-time. If they need vehicles, you give it to them. And I'll tell you how that works. 
there was a pastor in Nigeria. It's a true story, okay? And they needed access to the bush, right? What, what the bush is in Nigeria is like a barangay is in the Philippines, if you've ever been to the Philippines. When I went to the Philippines in 2005, we took a medical team. Dr. Falkenberry and Dixie Falkenberry went. A lot of us here went. Cindy Lou went. Several others went. They did the medical clinic. I led the basketball clinic. I'm a big deal in the Philippines, by the way. No, I'm not. Really, I'm not. But anyway, you're in the barangays, which means a lot of times they don't have electricity. They live in a hut. Nigeria is called the bush. Okay? And out there, you don't have much of an education system. People are just lost. Now, listen to this. The pastor needed a motorcycle. Through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that you can give year-round to, which I'm going to, okay, they bought a motorcycle. This is a dirt bike. They called it Little Lottie. That way he could go to the bush and just witness to people. And he took a Nigerian pastor with him. And listen to this, what happened. This is a true story. It said this. He went to talk to a priestess. He said he went to the bush, and this priestess grabbed Daddy. His daughter's writing this article by the arm and pulled him with her, pulled him with her toward a little thatch roof hut. He had to bend over to enter the tiny doorway. As he did, Daddy was overwhelmed with the stench of dead animals and rotten food. There were hundreds of idols made from all kinds of materials stacked everywhere. The food and animals were used as a sacrifice to those idols. The priestess said in an angry voice, You see these gods, little G, they do nothing but sit here. We pray, we beg, we plead, we sacrifice what we have. They don't love us. They don't care for us. You tell us about a God of love who has existed since the beginning of time. What took you so long to come tell us this wonderful news? He's getting preached to by a priestess. Once again, the priestess grabbed Daddy's arm and pulled him through the doorway outside. She grabbed a piece of burning wood from the fire just outside the door. Daddy was truly not sure what she had in mind. With the wood, she set the idol house on fire. Then she said, sit and tell me about this God and his son, Jesus. The priestess became a follower of Jesus and an avid learner, even though she was illiterate. Others in that village became believers that very day. Very few months later, a few months later, daddy and the pastor returned to the village on the motorcycle. The motorcycle named Miss Lottie. The people came out laughing and happily invited daddy and the pastor into their homes. The entire village had become believers they influenced neighboring villagers to follow Christ. And then she goes on to say this. Think of the circumstances nearly seven decades ago. Southern Baptists surpassed the Lottie Moon, mission, Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal. A missionary in the bush of northern Nigeria was able to get a small motorcycle that took him to a Nigerian pastor far into the jungle. An influential, an influential villager heard about Jesus for the first time. An idol house was destroyed. A village became to follow Christ. Surrounding villages became followers of Christ. Praise be to God. And people in America gave 10 bucks a week or $20 a week, and that happened. So you don't know to this day what's going on. Jesus said this. He said, give in such a way. Jesus spoke about money a lot. He said, give in such a way that people will meet you in heaven and thank you for your gift. That's, I'm paraphrasing. Give in such a way financially, okay? Give in such a way financially that because of what you give, people are saved and those same people will greet you in heaven. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Thieves can't steal it. Moth can't destroy it. It's the greatest investment you can make. I'm not even asking you to give this morning. I'm just being honest with you. 
God saved me on October 30th, 1990. Okay? I started giving that next Sunday. I made $50 a week working at Taylor's Field Upholstering, and I was going to CVCC, and I gave $5 to the church. And that was just as important and just as obedient if you made a million dollars a year and gave $100,000 to that church. Because I knew as a 20-year-old that God could do a bit more with my money than I could. And when you give to Lottie Moon, you're supporting the gospel all around the world. It's a good time to be a Southern Baptist, people. It is a good time. Jesus is coming soon. Let's do what we can while we can. Amen. I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. And this is the question I ask you. Those of you that are older, why don't you pray this prayer? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I ask myself this, this quite often, even now. God, what is your purpose for my life? God, what is your mission for my life? You can ask that regardless of your age. God, what is your purpose for my life? And as you're praying, I would tell you this, you will not usually find that outside of a church family. It's very rare that people that don't belong to the church find out what their great purpose for their life is, spiritually speaking. You may be here today and you may be lost. And you, this is your prayer. God, I pray that you would save me today. Father, I am lost and I pray that you would save me today. I need to be born again. And then all of us can pray this prayer. Lord, the one person, Lord, in my realm of influence that I work with and my family that I go to school with, Lord, this is the person of all the people on the planet that I'd love for you to save. And would you just share that name with the Lord quietly? Lord, I pray for this person and I pray for their salvation. There is salvation from every sin available only through Jesus. There is nothing in your life for which God cannot forgive. Jesus died in your place because you cannot pay your sin debt. He paid it for you. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you're saved. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, this is your time and these are your people. I pray that this invitation will bring honor and glory to your name. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in the song, if you need to respond at the altar, this altar is open for you this morning. so much for being here today. I would like to mention some, have you, some of you have asked about uh, the new members class. 
Uh, if you will, fill out the card inside the bulletin, put it in the basket, so we can have a record of that, because the more people that sign up, the easier it is for us to have a class. So if you're interested in church membership, fill that out. Also, if you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and you'd like to talk to myself or one of the staff, we'll be here after church. We'd love to talk to you. God bless you. Church starts tonight at 5 p.m. Hope to see you back here tonight. You're dismissed. Thank you.